Chapter Nineteen of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Young Horatio Herbert Kitchener Hobbs turned from the mirror where he had been knotting his tie with scrupulous care and faced his mother. He was a handsome fellow, and Mrs. Hobbs' eyes filled with ready tears as she gazed at him. If she had not compelled him by every fond art known to mothers to accompany her to America, that beautiful young face might even now be hidden in some shallow grave behind the Somme. But she dared not speak her thoughts to her son. Instead, she felt a trembling under his sombre eyes. She was afraid of what he had to say. She was always afraid of late, and shivered at the slightest sound. Her son fetched a deep, short breath, and exhaled it sharply. "'What's the matter with you, mother?' he demanded with some impatience. "'With me? Oh, nothing!' the woman lied hurriedly. "'I was just thinking, what a nice necktie you've got on, Hoddy. It's a real pretty colour. I suppose you got it down in the store. Does Mr. Trimmer allow you any discount? He ought to, seeing as you work for him, and seeing that I... Oh, anyway, I'm glad you've got such a nice job, Hoddy.' She wiped her eyes furtively and sighed. "'Going to the social?' she added, with an effort after a casual manner. "'I would, if I was you. It would be real pleasant. I heard some of my customers talking.' "'Sit down, mother. I want to talk to you.' He led her unresisting to a chair, placed her in it, and stood over her, the fold between his eyes deepening. I've been thinking for a long time. I have no business to be here. You're comfortable now. Got a good business started, thanks to that little woman who's helping you. You don't need me. Don't say it, Hoddy. Don't say it, begged the woman, her head sagging weakly against the back of her chair. I've been dreading it night and day for I don't know how long. Time we had it over, then, he muttered. Why, the sight rather you'd get married, Hoddy, she wailed. Get married? Whatever put that into your head? Oh, I don't know. Seeing you going out, all dressed up, I guess. And there's nice girls here, ain't there, Hoddy? He thrust her suggestion behind him with an impatient gesture. Now see here, mother. I'm going to do one of two things. I've made up my mind. I'm quitting Trimmers this day week. Oh, Hoddy, you're never going to give up your nice job. Oh, dear, oh, dear, my heart. He flashed her a keen glance, and then unbidden fetched her a glass of water from the faucet. Here, drink this, he urged with rough tenderness. Your heart's all right, mother, of course it's all right. Now listen, don't cry. But she continued to whimper weakly, clutching at the front of her dress. "'I guess you wouldn't care if I was to die tomorrow,' she said querulously. "'Maybe you'd be glad. Then you'd be free to go and get killed in one of them nasty trenches. That's all you're thinking of day and night. You don't care for your mother. You only care for getting your own way. That's the way with men.' 
he sprang from the chair he had drawn close to hers and began to pace up and down as if he could no longer listen quietly thank god all women aren't such cowards he muttered heaven help the world if they were now see here mother you haven't given me a chance to say what i wanted to it's this i'll either go over to canada and enlist plenty of americans are doing that and i tell you straight i'd be ashamed to show my face in london now or i'll go into the munitions plant here and help that way i won't stay in trimmer's shop another day selling silly high-heeled shoes to silly women it isn't a man's job mrs hobbs sat up dabbing at her eyes i hear somebody knocking she said with suddenly renewed energy i suppose it's that miss bennett but let me tell you hardy i'll never consent to your going to canada i'll die first why should you go to canada but they do say they're going to pay the munitions workers big money maybe if you was to be real careful hardy i wouldn't mind that so much anyway but he was already opening the door to a young woman to whom he had sold shoes with prodigious difficulty only the day before he passed her with a nod and plunged down the stairs to the street more than anything else he wanted to get away from the sound of his mother's high-pitched american voice which had long possessed the power of goading him to unexpected bursts of temper he felt sorry and ashamed as he walked hurriedly along the dark street splotched unevenly with wavering circles of light from the buzzing arcs he had meant to be quite calm and gentle in explaining to her how impossible it had become to work any longer for trimmer in common with other employees of the emporium young hobbs had early been made acquainted with his employer's superior brand of piety only that day mr trimmer had invited his shoe clerk to join the choir training for the forthcoming evangelistic campaign accompanying his request with a card upon which was inscribed in bold black type the question are you saved the young man gazed at the card coldly whereat mr trimmer had exploded in a sharp tone how about it hobbs you'll have to answer that question before the great white throne some day why not now the young man narrowed his frowning gaze to a point directly between his employer's eyes how about yourself sir he returned sulkily i'm an elder in the presbyterian church stated mr trimmer his shoe clerk received the information with british phlegm is that tantamount to being saved sir he inquired coldly you're an impudent puppy hobbs barked elder trimmer i i confound you i'll that being the case i have the honour of quitting your employ this day week sir said horatio herbert kitchener hobbs instantly he squared his shoulders and his chin while a great joy surged over his young soul i can leave to-day if you like he added expanding still further you hubs get busy growled mr trimmer i'll tend to your case in the office when i get ready the card with its pertinent question stared up at the young man from the floor 
he picked it up with the inward conviction that he had already taken the first step toward personal salvation and now he had taken the second but what after all was it to be saved he pondered the question as he strode forward in the semi-darkness of one thing he was sure to be saved one must be free to follow one's inner conviction of right then all at once his introverted thoughts became sharply aware of the outer world hurrying toward him out of the shadows was a girl's slight figure as she passed him almost running he caught the sound of a stifled sob and recognized the young french girl who had been his companion in the chase but a few days before he turned and overtook her in a long stride hello he accosted her with boyish rudeness what's the trouble nothing she denied but i heard you besides you were running did anything frighten you i am mad like a wet hen she confessed one two rude men speak to me i am run quick from such person you've no business to be out on the streets alone at night he said severely didn't you know that she shrugged her shoulders miss malvina tell me if i behave myself like nice lady in america i am okay you understand okay oui? he frowned you oughtn't to be out alone he repeated where's your father she glanced up at him her face dimpling with mischief me i am most interested in sociable and my father is not interested aussi miss malvina's ma has the mal de tête so i behave myself like a lady and come quick to sociable at the parsonage very nice persons at mrs pettibone she do me the honour to invite so i have politeness to come well don't you do it again said mr hobbs sternly america isn't a fool's paradise i don't care what anybody says it's every bit as bad as paris or london worse maybe he scowled down at the girl take my arm he commanded i shall escort you to the sociable and i shall bring you home again she shook her head me i have not require both she said from this corner i run to beat the cars and quick i arrive bien you'll do nothing of the kind he contradicted her stubbornly don't you suppose i know don't you suppose i know she mocked him airily from under lowered lashes me i should worry where did you pick up all the slang what he inquired really it's not at all the thing you know slang what oh, kindness explain to me that slang what i not know those words why just now you said i should worry that's slang the worst kind of united states so is run to beat the cars you should drop all that sort of thing it's jolly bad form you don't mind if i tell you she considered his question you are not of america she told him kindly and of idiom i perceive you have not to study 
it is a pity i teach you some nice slang what you like to learn jolie bad form eh he was staring straight before him with british solemnity unlighted by any alien gleam of humour then he began a laboured explanation in his wooden french by means of which imperfect medium of speech he contrived to make his meaning clear by the time they had come within sight of the lighted windows of the parsonage madeleine's drooping face betrayed her complete discomfiture two big tears trembled on her lashes she shook them off impatiently speak to me in english she ordered him imperiously that so beautiful langue francaise you have killed it you have murder me i shall speak all times slang like the very nice young man name of harry teach me he is peach of polite person that harry much better than you i like him mr hobbs frowned who's harry he inquired if he teaches you slang he's a bounder let me tell you i let you tell me nothing replied madeleine with spirit he gazed down at her gloomily we're fools to quarrel he said i was only trying to help you but i should have known better all women he was thinking with youthful bitterness were alike foolish vain unreasoning a lump of passionate self-pity surged up in his throat i'm sorry he murmured i hoped he did not in the least know what it was that he had hoped but he appeared to himself to be gazing mournfully at something broken which had been inconceivably valuable me i excuse murmured the girl and after a moment's hesitation she held out her hand to him with the simplicity of a child he was silent battling with his vague thoughts but he took the small repentant hand and held it fast you hear me she asked you are not deaf like post you are sorry for such rude speak me i excuse bien her eyes sparkled up at him out of a lovely tear mist he roused himself they had by now reached the gate of the parsonage i'll not go in he said i've been awfully out of sorts all day and that's the truth he appeared to have forgotten her hand still clasped in his own but he was in fact intensely aware of it warm currents of hope and courage appeared to be flowing from that little hand to the very centre and core of his being you like better to fight than put shoe on a lady surmised madeleine nodding her head wisely those shoes make you feel mad like hops you're a witch to guess it he cried tell me shall i go to canada and enlist or shall i make shrapnel i have only one life she had no need to inquire the dire significance of the word shrapnel she considered his question with downcast eyes you have only one life she repeated only one but you are glad to give that only one for france is it not a great thrill went through him would you care he asked huskily if i never came back 
someone struck up the star-spangled banner in the lighted parlour of the parsonage shrill voices caught up the strain and carried it forward in a burst of raucous triumph somehow the song with its shouting rhythm appeared to intrude itself between them like a visible presence it is chanson patriotique murmured the young french girl very loud they sing those americaines yes he said dully they sing very loud are you going in she shook her head suddenly i feel alien she told him in french take me home please her hand slipped from his as they turned to go away the sound of that boastful chorus gradually lessening on the breeze till at last only the bolder peaks of song stood out against the background of their troubled thoughts at the gate of the small brown house under its tall maples the girl paused silhouetted against the drawn shade appeared the studious head of m Desaye, also his hand holding a book he has not missed you said hoddy hobbs he think i have attend sociable with miss malvina and you'll tell him you have not the girl shrugged her shoulders while her hands described an eloquent arc if i tell monsieur my father i have walk with a strange young man what you think he said to me N never again do i speak to you i am not permit promise me you will not go out again alone in the evening he urged waving the dilemma it isn't safe but with you i am safe n'est-ce pas oh, of course oh but not with anyone else promise she ran lightly up the path good night she breathed softly one mean thanks for a nice plaisir and you'll remember what i said you mustn't be out on the streets alone at night a jealous qualm assailed him at sight of her hesitation you spoke of some bounder you called harry he growled you'd better tell your father about him you shouldn't know such persons you are most kind she syllabled sweetly but already my father is acquainted with monsieur le noir he is one very nice person i hitch his wagon to my star oui good night he heard the door close softly after her beheld monsieur de say's silhouette manifest surprise and then arrested attention as before the lighted curtain flitted the girl's slim figure her hands fluttering a piquant accompaniment to the words he could not hear in common with most englishmen young hobbs entertained a lurking suspicion of gallic veracity of course she'll have to tell him something he conceded to the exigency of circumstance End of chapter nineteen